from the TWU Local 591 Studio in Colleyville, Texas. It's the ASAP Tech Ops Association podcast with your host, Brad Brueger. Take it away, Brad. Thanks, Tommy. I wanted to give an update on some information and some data that we're gathering in the ASAP program right now, but I want to really talk about three different topics. And the first topic is a change of address. We've seen recently some examples of the FAA trying to send one of our frontline members a correspondence and the address not being updated. In this environment currently, we're seeing a lot of people moving, whether it's due to a RIF or whether it's due to buying a new house. The housing market's kind of funny right now. So what we just wanted to go back and remind everybody is, and I'll just start quoting the CFR here, but 14 CFR 65.21. Everybody can Google that if they want to look at it. It's an old reg. It's not new. And I'm going to read it for your entertainment so you can understand how old it is. But let me just read it to you. It's pretty short. 65.21, change of address. Within 30 days after any change in his permanent mailing address, the holder of a certificate issued under this part shall notify the Department of Transportation, Federal Aviation Administration, Airman Certification Branch, Post Office Box 25082, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73125, in writing of his new address. Now, with all that said... That's pretty outdated. I mean, a pretty old reg. You can tell by how it was written. But you can also do it on FAA.gov. It's a lot easier just to hop on the website and change that. But you have 30 days from the time you change your permanent mailing address. And when I say permanent mailing address, where you can access mail if it's mailed to you. Many of us were in the military and we had to have a permanent mailing address when we did that when we were stationed abroad. So this is not any different than that for a certificate holder. You have to keep an address updated on the FAA's website so that if they ever do want to send you correspondence or reach you, they can do it by mail. So just a friendly reminder, we're seeing some stuff and we wanted to make sure that all of our members are aware of this CFR. Because if you don't do this, it's a CFR violation. That's the first part of the update. All right, now for the second topic that I want to cover, I want to talk about duty time. I want everybody to keep in mind, this is not a fatigue rule. This is a duty time rule that's been around for years. But I want to make sure that we're putting out current information. 14 CFR 121.377, maintenance and preventative maintenance personnel duty time limitations. Because this is 121.377, this is an air carrier requirement. Let me just read it real quick, and then we can talk about what it means and some interpretations that are out there that you can actually go read also. Within the United States, each certificate holder, parentheses, or person performing maintenance or preventative maintenance functions for it. So the certificate holder they're talking about is, in our case, would be the airline. Going on, shall relieve each person performing maintenance or preventative maintenance from duty for a period of 24 consecutive hours during any seven consecutive days or the equivalent thereof within any calendar month. What this means is you've got to have four 24-hour periods off of work in a calendar month. And that has to be off work, either a day off or vacation or sick time. Those are days off. 
There are some interpretations of this that you can Google. There are a couple of interpretations that the FAA legal has put out there for this and and basically saying, hey, look, let's say you're on union business or you're in training. That is still part of what we count as you working. So it's a narrow scope of things that are that actually get you off of work and counts towards having your 24 hours off. So it's got to be four 24 hour periods, a calendar month that you're away from work. And that is our duty time regulation. And once again, it's not a fatigue regulation at all, like the pilots and the flight attendants may have, but this is just a duty time. Keep that in mind, just a little reminder, when we see this stuff, we want to make sure that we just at least get it out and let you know that we want you to think about it and explain it and be able to go and look it up for yourself. So that's 14 CFR 121.377. For the third topic, I want to just cover something that I think we all know, but I just want to remind everyone. We've seen some incidents lately where we've had an FAA inspector having interactions with our frontline employees, and sometimes those conversations got a little out of hand. And I'd like just to remind everybody that when we're dealing with the FAA, it's only a benefit to us and to the investigation that they may be looking into if we are professional and courteous and rational when we deal with them, even if we don't agree with them. Uh, let me just say this from personal experience. Nothing good can come from us having a argument with the FAA or a screaming match. So we need to keep that in mind when we're dealing with them. Part of the new compliance philosophy from the FAA tells them, look, if the airman or the certificate holder is compliant and willing to fix whatever the discrepancy may be or the error that was made, then they're encouraged to fix that on the spot and not take it into you know what could be enforcement action or that. So it's to our benefit to be professional and courteous and rational and reasonable with the FAA inspector when we're dealing with them. And if there are disagreements and we need to elevate that or work that out, always consider reaching out to those of us who deal with the FAA on a daily basis. And that's all of your ASAP guys. So on the TW side, that's me, Brad Brueger, that's Joe Absalon and Harry Charolumbus on the line. That's Doug Housley and DWH and IOC on the IAM side, that's John Hall and Bud Brown and Charlotte, and that's Mitch Worthington and LAX. So if you can reach out to one of us and you're dealing with the FAA, chances are we're probably going to be around anyhow. But if there's some a disagreement or that we need to work something out or elevate something, please think about reaching out to us and letting us help. We deal with most of the FAA inspectors in our CMO, and we, for the most part, have good relationships with them. And we don't always agree. Sometimes we have differences. Anyhow, just a, just a reminder, based on some of the stuff we've seen in the last few months, I just wanted to put out there that, you know, nothing good could come from us arguing with the FAA, but a lot good could come from us being courteous and professional and compliant when we're dealing with them. Even if we don't agree with them, there's ways to, to handle that. It's just a friendly reminder. So with all that said, these three topics are just something that we're seeing recently, and I wanted to run them by, make sure everybody was aware of it, and put this podcast out and put it at the front of everybody's mind right now. So I appreciate your time, and thanks for listening. For questions or for more information about this or any of our podcasts, email techopsasap at gmail.com. That's T-E-C-H-O-P-S-A-S-A-P at gmail.com. Music provided under license by Pond5. The Tech Ops ASAP podcast is produced and engineered by Tommy Ingalls.